Welcome to EV Life. I'm your host, Crystal Maharaj. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. And I'm joined now by Allison Bench, who is the producer of the podcast. Hi, Allison. Hi, Crystal. Uh, so yeah, we've got a great episode lined up for our listeners today, and it's all about the next generation. Yeah, specifically, we look to post-secondary schools in our province to see what kind of interesting things are happening. And we definitely found a very interesting club at the University of Calgary. Just to get into it, yeah, it's called the Reelectric Car Team, and they're a new student group. They started just in 2019, and they're focused all about retrofitting. Such a cool thing that they have going there. So, you know, we've touched on this topic before in episode two when we spoke to Terry Orr, or you may know him as the EV Mad Scientist, and he retrofits classic cars into EVs. And so the re-electric team, car team, does similar work, but it's engineering students at the university who are collaborating on the idea of retrofitting. So a little bit of a different take. Just to give some context, like they're not just sitting, it's not just one person sitting in a garage tinkering away. It's a whole team of engineering students that are working on this and and they're wanting to collaborate and, and learn how to convert existing cars, classic cars to EVs. But through that, they also want to kind of design a guide that people can, anyone can, can rely on if they're interested in converting their own cars. Right. It's such a cool initiative. And, you know, their main goal really is to reduce the barriers to adopting EVs and also to prevent our current cars from just ending up in landfills. Right. Like as people start buying EVs, what's going to happen to all the ICE vehicles? So let's take a listen to my chat with University of Calgary engineering students and re-electric car team members, Brooke Kindleman and Amrit Mahindra Raja with Reelectric. So Brooke is the software team lead and Amrit is the electrical lead. Thank you, Brooke and Amrit, for joining me today on the podcast uh, to talk about Reelectric. So what exactly is Reelectric? Sure, I can take this. Uh, so Reelectric is basically a student-run team which converts gas cars to electric. And our ultimate goal is to reduce the barrier to mass EV adoption. Ritik and I realized a couple of years ago, our executive founder, that a lot of cars are very viable um, still. And so it would be probably a waste to have a lot of these older cars just go to a landfill when we eventually move to EVs. And we thought, hey, why don't we look into converting these things? And why don't we look at creating open source plans to do all that kind of stuff? When did Relectric start? In what year, Brooke? Are you able to take that? Yeah, for sure. So the team was started in 2019. The first car we managed to get just um, in mid-winter semester, so that'll be around uh, February, March 2020. And we've been working since then on converting the same car. And what car is that? That would be a 1966 Volvo. Whose decision was it to choose this car? Was it just what was available? Yeah, so actually the way that kind of worked was one of the team members actually had a connection at a uh, shop uh, that does conversions. And so one of the founders liked what we were doing. And so they decided, he was like, hey, why don't you come and work uh, on, on, on my car that I haven't had time to convert? And that can kind of be a project. And then eventually we, we purchased that car and that has kind of been our ongoing project. And you all are engineering students, correct? So how, yes. how has it been working with cars? Did, you, did either of you have prior knowledge um, working with cars before getting involved in Relectric? I did. Um, I actually took mechanics in high school and working on, I was actually working on classic cars primarily during my time in, in high school. 
Um, so yeah, I actually did have experience. Brooke? Prior to joining the team, I had like a little bit of experience working on cars. Um, I do a lot of my own mechanics work on my own car, and I also took mechanics in high school, but it wasn't um, to a super big extent, um, but it seemed like a really cool project. And one of the things that really appealed to me was I was able to, to learn that, you know, and learn hands-on and get some firsthand experience with working with um, a vintage car, which was absolutely fantastic. Is Relectric made up strictly of students? Is there a professor involved in this? How is your team structured? So our team is comprised uh, entirely of students. Most of them are in engineering. Um, we're under uh, the Schubert School of Engineering. So we have a certain proportion of our students that are engineering students, but we also have students from a bunch of other faculties uh, as well, including business, um, physics, chemistry. Um, so it's a, it's a wide variety of people from across the faculties that are doing this. And can any student at the UFC take part in this if they're interested? We're open to all undergraduate students. So yeah, absolutely. And anyone who is an undergraduate at the University of Calgary can most certainly join us. Um, we do tend to like engineering students just because we like to give them that experience of, um, you know, hands-on along with the theoretical course curricular learning. But uh, no, absolutely, and anyone can join. And do you see students joining for a semester um, and then do they move on? Do they stay with you for multiple years? Is there a commit time commitment for being a part of the team? Uh, yes, there is. So usually they most people stay on up until the end of their degree. Um, and so once they join the team, that's kind of their extracurricular for the course of their time at the university uh, in their undergrad capacity. Um, and the time commitment is usually around probably, I'd say, four to six hours a week. So I know right now you're just working in-house on this one vehicle, but um, the plan is to develop a library of plans that you can share with others. What's, um, how far are you from launching that library? So we're actually relatively far. So COVID really hampered the efforts of our team to get our first project done because a lot of our work is hands-on. Right. So we were not able to access the car, so we couldn't do that. And so our, our main goal is to get this, for, for this year is to get the car rolling and you know be able to drive it and integrate the infotainment system and all that. And basically have a working car that we can drive around and show off, you know, what the prospect of electric cars is, especially converted electric cars. Right. But then eventually what we'll do is we'll start building our own components, researching that and kind of go step by step in increasing levels of difficulty. Uh, and then, yeah, at that point, like, then we'll start open sourcing any of our designs. So our software that we're developing, because we have for our car, because we are working on a vintage car, we don't have any electrical components that are coming with the car as it is stock. So what we need to be able to do is the accelerometer and the speedometer and all of the dials that are on our dashboard, we actually can't use because they're all physically driven as it's a vintage car. Right. So we're developing our own um, interface for a dashboard to be put into an electric car. Um, so this is going to be, you know, the dashboard that you're going to see right in front of the driver, as well as we have something called an infotainment system, which is going to sit between the driver and the passenger. And that's where you're going to be able to see things like battery stats or any other important information for the car. Um, and that's all open source. Um, all our code is actually available right now on, on GitHub. And it's uh, able for if anyone else is doing a project like we are, if they want to be able to use some of our software, or take inspiration from it, they're able to. And have you seen much of an uptick in people wanting this information? Um, we actually have had quite a bit of interest in it, um, particularly with the fact that our focus isn't necessarily on building an electric car from scratch. We're taking cars that are already existing and we're not trying to add a lot of bells and whistles to them um, because that is, I know, one of the limiting factors of an electric car is that um, a lot of folks are you know, concerned with how much they're going to have to learn um, to be able to operate an electric car because there are a lot of features on it that can be overwhelming. So we're trying to keep it simple to the point where if you get into our car, 
you're not going to feel like you're in another world trying to operate it. Um, so there's been quite a bit of interest actually from folks in demographics that you wouldn't necessarily expect to be super into an electric car, but the idea that they're able to keep their current car and still have it be more sustainable and um, not be running on gas is really appealing to them. Right. It's something familiar with a little something new. Exactly. Yeah. Can you retrofit any vehicle to an EV? I know you say you all are working on an older model right now. Is that a bit easier because there are less components? For example, like newer cars come with all these features. So you would have to rewire that. Is is that a bit of a challenge for retrofitting a newer vehicle? Uh, yeah, actually, you you hit it right on the head. One of the challenges of fitting uh, retrofitting newer vehicles is exactly that computer board. And um, because a lot of components in modern cars are, you know, uh, driven by computers and a lot of that software uh, is not open source. So in order for us to work with it, we have to essentially learn from the ground up on how to use it. Um, so it is easier in general to convert older vehicles that don't have those components. That said, it is possible to convert any gas car to an electric car. Is it affordable for the average person to retrofit their vehicle? Yes, because if you, if you look at all the parts, you can do it for around $15,000. You can retrofit a vehicle, whereas a new electric car in Canada, as of current prices, uh, is over $40,000. So it's almost like, like a little less than a quarter uh, of the cost, right? So it's certainly more affordable. I know right now, again, you're just working on a vehicle in-house. Is this program a potential for becoming a full-blown business? So actually, as per uh, students' union regulations, we're actually not allowed to be a business, uh, at least at least the team in, in, its, in its current form. So Reelectric could actually never legally become a business. Gotcha. But as I said, we might actually inspire businesses to start up on their own. Because if we've gone and we've acquired the knowledge just out of our own interest and, and kind of moved that uh, knowledge base forward, then other businesses could, 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 could easily use that in order to start their own conversion shops. So... Not re-electric directly, but certainly indirectly, I can I can definitely see that being a viable business. Is there any other reason why someone might choose to retrofit an ICE vehicle instead of just going out and buying a brand new EV? Yes, there is. So if you're a classic car enthusiast and you like the shape of the car, you like how it looks, how it feels, all that kind of stuff. But let's just say the federal government doesn't allow you to drive gas cars or heavily penalizes you for it, then you'd obviously want to still drive the car without um, issues, right? And so that's where you that's why you would convert the vehicle. And how often do you work on this vehicle that you're retrofitting? So we do this about once uh, once a week. Usually is our work day, which is around like four to six hours. Um, and we just come in and we all kind of get together and we work on work on together in the shop. After you both graduate, because I'm sure that day will come <laughs> soon, do you plan on retrofitting your own vehicles? Is this something that you plan on continuing once you're out of university? I'd like to be able to, I think, um, even if, you know, I, I've, you know, I'm probably not going to own more than one car, especially coming right out of university, but I'd hope to also be able to assist people who, you know, are looking to convert their car and might not even have an idea of where to start um, and being able to, to point them out and give them resources and, you know, stay involved in the community and keep, especially on my side, working with software, being able to contribute my skills towards, um, you know, open source software that folks are able to use um, without having to pay you know, um, a use charge or have to subscribe to any services to be able to operate. Is keeping the information open sourced important to you? I think to, to our team it is, especially as we move forward to sustainability, right? Because one of the big things that is currently a barrier to EVs uh, in general is accessibility. And if there's things that we can do to keep, you know, um, EVs accessible to people who would otherwise not be able to access them, 
it's fantastic for us. Um, a big part of that is keeping our knowledge open source. There's a lot of things that we can do as a student organization that, you know, businesses may not be able to do just because there's too big of a financial risk or there's anything that they're not quite sure where to have the resources for. Being a student organization on a campus in a university where there's so many people from different backgrounds coming into work um, is a huge advantage that we have in being able to like curate that knowledge and compile it into a place where it's easy for folks to find and use. So the way I look at it is, you know, if we're all on a sinking ship and someone knows how to build a bucket, you probably want to be sharing the design for that bucket so everyone can, you know, move water out and make sure the sink the ship doesn't sink, right? Right. Uh, and so I think it's selfish to have knowledge that could move forward electric cars, just because how just of how important they are, and and not be able to use that um, to increase the uh, reduce the barrier to mass adoption, right? Thank you both for coming on the podcast and speaking to me today. Before I leave, I just want to ask each one of you, what are you most excited for in the future of transportation, Brooke? I think seeing all of the new innovations that are going to come out that we haven't even considered, because EVs open up a huge amount of possibilities, not only in terms of recreation, but there's a lot of folks that enjoy racing. Electric vehicles have, you know, a very different operating um, capability from ICE vehicles. So even in the world of, of sports and, you know, um, competition, it's very exciting to see what we're going to be able to do with the technology that's coming out. Emirates? I think one of the most exciting technologies that's going to come out is going to be self-driving cars. Uh, and the reason for that is because most cars just sit in a parking lot uh, for most of the day when, you know, their owners are at work or at the grocery store. I think it would be really cool if that car could maybe drive off and, you know, pick up a couple of passengers, drop them off, and then generate revenue for the uh, for the owner of the car, right, which would reduce the cost, uh, increase the utilization, uh, and help people get around quicker and more efficiently. Wouldn't that be something... That would be, yeah. No, that's something I'm really excited for. Yeah, me too. I, you know, would love the idea of my car working for me while I'm at work. Right. And, and what's cool about that too, right, is that um, is it kind of democratizes transportation because if you don't own a car, you can still get access to a vehicle that otherwise would just be sitting there and you wouldn't be able to access, right? Uh, I'm certain you'd pay for it, but like it, 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 it's a win-win for everyone in that situation. Well, that's certainly something we can look forward to. Thank you both for speaking to me today. Yeah, thank you for having us, Crystal. Thank you so much for inviting us on. That was my conversation with UFC engineering students, Brooke Kindleman and Amrit Mahindra Raja. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. As always, make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast so you always know when a new episode is out and we'll talk to you next week.